Of movie madness. I'm your host Hank Thompson, and joining me, as always, is my brother Wayne Thompson. Wayne, I want you to say for me, man, it must be the car. Chicks always dig the car. It must be the car. Chicks always dig the car. Also joining us today is producer extraordinaire Wayne Madden. Uh, Wayne, I want you to say for me, you have a license to kill. Not to break oh. the traffic laws. Oh, fuck. He wanted to buy, <laughs> the, fu- he wanted to buy the future line, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I did want the back. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. No, no, no. Okay, I'll tell you what. Practicing no, no. that last night okay. and everything. I'll tell you what. How about this instead then? <laughs> yes. Well, I figure if you're going to make a time machine, you might as well make it out of something with style. Okay. Okay. Let me let me try this whole thing because I was practicing this last night, so okay, I don't go care. For it. Okay, do it. Don't do All what right. you want. Yeah, <laughs> go your own way. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Are you are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Well, the way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine, you gotta do it with some style. Besides, the stainless steel flux capacitor. Ma- oh, wait a minute. And then he stops. He never finishes that sentence. So there you go. <laughs> like our own personal rick and morty there i love it <laughs> also joining us today is actor chris reed chris for me i want you to say nice and simple ka-chow ka-chow Ooh, I, f- I felt that deep in my oils now if you couldn't guess what we're talking about today it's going to be cars in film like that old um, that old Duran Duran song, "Cars on Film." Was girls on film? It was it was "Cars" by Gary Newman. Are you sure that you I'm think you heard sure. what you think you heard? <laughs> we hear you what we want to hear, and that's just the end of the story. Oh. Now, Wayne no, uh, <laughs> <Wayne> Thompson, <laughs> tell us why we're talking cars today on this beautiful Monday. Well, first off, why not? It's some for one. Sure. Let, let's get let's get this out to everybody. I don't think one of us here is actually what you would call a gearhead or a metalhead, whatever they're called. Uh, we don't know much about cars. However, TV and film over the years have always kind of highlighted the cars in films, and it's something what tends to attract people to TV and film. And of which I grew up with a lot of. 70s, 80s, which were huge in in cars and stuff like that. Ikea kit, uh, the Dodge from um, Dukes of Hazzard, 18 van, all that kind of stuff. And it just so happens that I actually get to drive a couple Dukes of Hazzard, which is one of Very my cool. all-time favourites. One of my all-time favourites, generally, indeed, exactly. And I was torn, believe, believe me, I was torn between two of the cars I could choose. Uh, one was um, the original Battenville, mm, which nice. I very nearly, nearly chose. But it just when I looked at the picture, it just didn't look quite right to the original. Um, and the other one was Kit Knight Rider. 
Come on. Oh, Who the hell doesn't want to drive Kate? Michael, I'm getting a little concerned about <laughs> the pressure in your pants, Michael. <laughs> well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Top Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that um, there was a trend, obviously, especially back in like the late 60s and into the 70s, where you know, we, we built America on the on the power of the car to some extent. And so a lot of the especially muscle cars and the classics, yeah. you know, the things like the uh, the Corvettes and the Firebirds and the T-Birds and all that sort of stuff. And you look back at things like Greece and so on. They always uh, everyone's a fucking well, the whole term of the greaser thing is all about fixing up cars and shit anyway. That's right. And then yeah. you had so many classic cars in all these old shows. And even like you said, like the General Lee and uh kit night rider and so on and as much as everyone loves the car god the theme song for night rider is what i always remember oh, i think that's an yeah, amazing the theme, theme the song were just as big in the 80s well 70s and 80s the theme tunes were just as big as the car in fact the shows were normally shit it was- it, do you not feel like tv shows do not do good themes by comparison to back in the day oh no nah, nah. And I'll like tell you the, what, there's a couple, there's a couple of them made comebacks, things like Hawaii Five over the years. And what I like about this, they actually kept the original tune. Well, you'd <laughs> have to. Like, That's like half the reason to make the show. It's like we yeah. can't beat the original tune. Let's just keep the original. Yeah, I love it. When I think of uh, classic movies and cars, the first thing that comes to mind, funny enough, was in Greece, was something like Bullet with Bullet. Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of the, you know, yeah. uh, when you watch TV shows, not not like the actual TV, like shows what we watch, but like um, yeah. porn stars and things like that. It's all, everyone always talks about that Ford Mustang from Bullet. Um, yes, yes. You know, everyody well, wants that Bullet car. He was going to buy that, wasn't he? Or he he almost he he bought it. it. They couldn't. I think, yeah. I think oh, he right. did only for a right. short time because a lot mm-hmm. of the actors back then did actually own some. I'll tell you, it was the biggest one, Burt Reynolds. He, oh, actually, wow. he actually smoking the bandit and so on. Yeah, he, he. I don't know if he's noticed, but do you know the Pontiac Trans Am he uses in Smoking the Bandit? Yeah. Mm-hmm, he sure. also drove the '78 version, but it was red in a, a film called Hooper. Yeah. Oh. And he had he had both of them. He owned both of them until the day he died. He owned both them cars. And do you know where they went when he died? Um, I did read somewhere, but I can't remember now. I think they've not gone to There's, a museum or something. The, no, they went to a private auction to raise money for charity. The one of, his right. long-term, one of his long-time friends was Danny Corker. Yes. If anybody watches Counting Cars, Counts Customs. Yes. He, right. he basically, his estate left them. To, so he took them to them with the plan of getting them done up and restored and back in full work and order. Um, and was then going to take them to an auction that would raise money for charity. I couldn't remember which charity it was, but he died during that time, and him and Danny Cook were really good friends. Yeah, so they dedicated right. like a whole episode of this show to just the restoration of these vehicles. There was a van as well. I can't remember what the van was, but there was the was two... Was that not trans- the van from um, Not Smoking the Man, but the other one, the Cannibal one? I think, yes. I think it was, yes. Um, and they did them up and, and took them off to this charity auction for him. So it was like his legacy of these three cars and actually his, the, the deed of ta- the title of ownership in the, in the club box of this transit was his name on it. And they had it framed right. and presented as yeah. well. That, um, that show that you're talking about, Chris, is that the Canadian guy who no, owns he's all American. the cars? No, he's from, he's from no, Vegas. 
Yeah, they're in Nevada. Yeah, he's, he's oh. he looks like he looks like he'd rip you in half. He's a big biker. He's a big, well, he's, he's, a he's a big uh, yeah. vampire fan. Um, gentle actually, bear really is. They actually make oh. him a coffin for a bed and everything and stuff like that yeah. because they're, they're all as mad as each other. Um, and what's funny is when uh, when my daughter was little, she loved one of the guys on that called Horny Mike. And oh, Horny Mike's amazing. We had her on this little go-kart with a horny helmet on, so we actually tagged Horny Mike into a tweet once, and he actually responded. Yeah. <laughs> Put it this way, he drives a bright green um, old school bus, like school the old yellow bus. school buses. A yeah, bright yeah. green bus covered in skulls and skulls and, yeah. and on the front of it, there's two massive horns, curved horns, like Hellboy's horns, that mm. stick out about eight feet out the top of this bloody bus. That he drives around in Nevada. That's that's his car. See, that's, to um, me, that that's yeah. the show I'd watch ahead of Top Gear because I love the old classic cars. I mean, I'd watch anything ahead of Top Gear, but it it um, does sound like uh, speed. I would speed watch my me. own funeral over Top Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Counting cars is amazing. Uh, amazing. Just a, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to say very quickly before you continue on. Um, I was just reading up on it there, and the Ford Mustang Fastback that was used in Bullet, the actual one that was driven by McQueen, was sold at auction on January 10th, 2020, at a record price of $3.5 million. Yeah, that's right. That's, wow. how much, that's how much prestige that car carried exactly. for being in that movie yeah. with him. Exactly. McQueen was a major petrol head. He was like... He yes. was like the original one back in the. He was going to like proper oh, race yeah. taking on taking on like vintage race car drivers. Actually, well, and, he and winning. was a racer, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah I was say he was, was a racer. Yeah. I'll tell you who else is a racer, and it surprised me when I heard about this. Who has a very great fondness for driving fast cars and always has for many years is uh, Ron Atkinson. Is oh, yeah. he's a massive, yep. well, massive he's been fan. done for speeding many times. He has. Well, I'm not. I'm not surprised, but it's. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird, funny thing when you think of Mister Bean and his mini. I was just going to say, I think it's because of who he is. You just would never expect, would you? That's the thing. Well, that's it. A lot of the stunts that are done by Mister Bean in those programs, that's actually Ron Atkinson yeah. doing the handbrake turns and the maneuvers because he's such a, as you say, he's a he's a gearhead, he's a petrol head. But um, yeah, it's mad. One of the one of the shows I watched a while ago, I can't remember the name of it, but it's very similar to that one, the American show you mentioned. But it's some mad guy living in Canada who has like several acres of land. And this land is literally covered with rust buckets of cars. <laughs> and his son is basically trying to convince him to restore the cars bit by bit. And it's, but it's the Canadian, it must be the Canadian version of the American show you've mentioned. Quite possibly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, yeah. it's funny though because, like Hank said earlier on about the theme tunes, how you don't really get the theme tunes as good as what they were back then. I find that the same about cars. Cars just do not look as classy or as smart or as appealing as what they did back then. There's something about the cars from the, the 50s up to the 80s where they just had appeal. They looked well, cool as fuck. I'm just going to say, right? So, like, Obviously, one thing we're going to have to get into in this episode is the Fast and Furious series. And while yeah. the Fast and Furious series, really? we, have we have to. If you're talking about cars, no, you have no, to talk about no. it. And I mean, a lot of a lot of time is spent in the Fast and Furious movies with a lot of the more modern 
like the the short souped Japanese up. cars that get souped yeah. up that are highly tunable and all that sort of stuff. And yet, at the same time, is saying that if you look at the first Fast and Furious movie, um, what's his name? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel's character. Uh, what's he driving again? It's a nineteen seventy Dodge Charger. Yeah, so he's still got a muscle car that's highly yeah. souped up, while everyone else is driving all these like fucking uh, little Mitsubishi's and so on. And I think that's what gave him that that edges of character that the fact that he was yeah, still Americana. He yeah. stood out because he was Americana, and those movies have gotten so ridiculous as times went on. And it seems to me the only time they do an iconic set piece is if they use a good classic piece of like Americana car, like a. I think they deliberately choose those cars knowing they'll have more impact to an audience. Um, because who gives a shit about just a souped up little, you know, I, I tried to watch Tokyo Drift and it was just like, it was mm. like watching, you know, Asian paint dry. Do you know what the, I actually, pre- if it comes to cars, you know what I prefer to, those, those kind of films? Gone in 60 seconds. Eleanor. Because, the GD500. yeah, well, they, they were collecting cars from the 30s up to mm. modern time. Because even even the remake, you know, they were, they were correcting things like you old, um, I don't know, you you like you 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 Porsche three five six, which was I think a fifties car, um, you know, down to like the Plymouths and stuff like that, which was seventies cars. Mm-hmm. They were correcting still all the classic cars, and I liked that about it. It was the cars what was appealing. Now, if you're talking, look, if you're talking about classic cars in movies. You got to talk about one of the all-time greatest movies of all time and its classic usage of his main cars as a, as a show-stealing part of the movie and its terrible remake, which <laughs> is the Italian job. Italian job. Oh, okay. With the little Austin Mini Coopers. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now there, there's the example of the exact opposite of everything that makes have a you, car fascinating in a movie. Here, has anybody here ever tried to drive an original Mini? They drive like sheds. I tell you what, like I could barely fit in it, and I'm only five foot yeah. ten. I could barely fit in it. I felt like I was in a fucking saw. I felt like uh, John McLean when he says, "I know it's like being fucking saw mm. in a fucking can now." So that's what I felt like. And like you say, Chris, when you turn a TV corner, dinner. you don't yep. just turn a corner. Mm-hmm. You fucking just literally, it's like a block one. You turned. It's like what? Yep. Oh. Uh, they, they are weird as hell absolutely did, weird as hell did you know they never they nearly never used minis in that because austin wouldn't let them use them originally because they never wanted many shown they thought, well because they thought it was going to be bad press for them mm. fiat fiat that's why every other car you see pretty much is a fiat they were throwing vehicles at them to say oh we'll do it we'll do it and they had to go out and buy the minis themselves i think they bought something like 36 of them to use themselves purely because they couldn't get anything off Austin. Tell you what, sorry to go off top of here, I've just read this. This is unbelievable. So the Jukes of Hazard car, which I, I drove last week, and for you guys, was um, there's more than 300 of those chargers portrayed mm-hmm. as the General Lee during the, um, the 7986 show. And it's today... Because they kept crash, crashing the fuckers? Oh, yeah, because yeah. they kept crashing them, but that's why today it's the ultimate... Hollywood star car. Yeah. With 300 cars, they killed nearly all of them. I think there was oh, eight God. Five <laughs> at the end of it. Didn't just kill them, oh. they fucking just obliterated some of them. Here's a bit of trivia for you. Here's a little bit for you. You know the iconic scenes when they're always jumping it? 
and the car oh, is always yeah. the car's always like nose That's up. Half the times the doors were fucked. Well, the car's mm-hmm. always nose up, isn't it, when it lands? Yeah. They had to deliberately put brick weights in the back of the car because if you to try and down. drive that car like that, it won't do that. It will never ever do it. It will always land nose first and just wipe. Well, yeah, out. because that's why the flip the cars normally flip when you do them. Yeah. Now here's a piece of useless trivia about the General Lee. And I'm okay. sure that everyone already knows about this, but I'll mention it anyway in case no one knows about this for some reason. The General Lee has become a highly controversial car in modern days because of the fact Not that yes. top of it is a giant Confederate flag. That's right. And obviously a lot of people are now linking the Confederate flag more back to its association, historical associations with slavery, as opposed to just yep. like, oh yeah, it's cool, we're from the South. And now it's like, oh they yeah, actually, we're from the South, but oh yeah, that, we had slaves. They played on that a little bit in the remake with uh, Johnny Knoxville. Oh, I'm sure they probably did. I don't remember the John Knoxville version very well, except for uh, what's her face of short shirts. Uh, oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about all I remember from that mo- that whole movie. Oh, there was a few of the nice little hot chicks now as well. Yeah, no doubt. But anyway, the point I was going to make was there is several original General Lees that are stored with owners across the globe, and each one of them has removed the Confederate flag from the roof to be more like uh, you know. Not a racist, (laughs) but the Volvo, uh, the Volo Museum will not remove the car because they've had one since 2005 and they won't remove the roof and said that not one person's ever complained to them directly about it and they won't cave to societal pressure and they're going to maintain it because it is a status icon of the time that it came out. This is what I was about to say was I understand the concept of, hey, man, the past carries negative connotations. You can't change it because of one person's feelings. And how are we going to learn, though, if you don't keep it? Because then people's never going to know about it. And what if it happens again in the future? And people say, oh, well, actually, we never got no mistakes. Yeah. Do you know, it, 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 it's true. And it, no, no, you're, you're, making a, you're making a very valid point. Um, and I'm sorry to make a mockery of it. But whenever someone mentions the conservative flag, I only keep ta- thinking about that quote from The Simpsons, you know, this conservative <laughs> flag is an embarrassment, least of all because we're not even a southern state, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I agree they they should get rid of the um, I I agree that you know this this whole kind of whitewashing history or just like painting it differently is uh, is wrong in any sense. Well, it doesn't of the word do anything. Again. No, it doesn't. It doesn't erase what's happened. It it just. There was a, there was like an old Mustang, like a, a police Mustang that used to be in Newcastle city center. I love oh, that wow. car. That, that was an amazing car. I, I don't know where was, they got it from. I think that was supposed to be one of the Blues Brothers ones. That's right. Yeah. And I think they painted it to look like, well, I mean, obviously they, they hijack a police cruiser. So it's presumably it's, uh, it, it's meant to be sort of in homage to that. But I think that was, was that a restaurant or a bar was using that out the front to advertise their premises for a while? Yes, I believe it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that goes to a lot of the uh, car conventions. Yes, that's right. I mean, I imagine, I imagine if, if, you know, if you could get over the cost, I mean, I don't know what the cost would be, but if you could get over the cost of importing a classic Mustang or a classic Austin Martin, you know, or something like that into the UK, once you've done that, 
you could make, you know, that the logical thing is to make a, quite a bit of money going around like sci-fi conventions and going around film conventions and everything else. And it's always great, like, to see things like Ecto-1 or the, the DeLorean mm-hmm. outside of a sci-fi convention is always pretty cool. Even if you don't get to drive it, it's it's still cool to see a DeLorean like that mocked up to look like the time machine. Well, you can't hire one. Anyway, you can buy them. There's a company will make you an electric replica DeLorean. I think they're about, I think they're like something like 200,000 pounds, but you can buy a rep and it's actually designed to look like the Back to the Future one as well. I'm looking at a photo of a driving experience at the minute and it actually has the zero one and the flag on the top. Ooh. Well, you know, just to say real quick, Ben Jones, who was in the original Dukes of Hazard, says he thinks all of the Hazard Nation understands that the Confederate battle flag is a symbol that represents the indomitable spirit of independence, which keeps us making our own way and the way that we know how to do. There is great exception, he takes, to anyone who thinks that the flag on generally should be considered a symbol of racism because the flag can be used in other applications. Certainly, yeah. it was never used as racist on the Dukes, and it never would be. Of course it Why wasn't. can't it was. that be the way you look at things? Why does everything have to be, no, the offensive side is all there is to it? Oh, correct. I mean, the Nazis stole their symbol. And for years now in history, people will associate that symbol. I mean, people will use it in violent ways, of course. But that symbol was stolen by Nazi Germany from sort of Hindu culture. Mm-hmm. And it was originally meant to be a symbol of peace and prosperity and wealth. Yeah. Um, in the same way that there are Spanish priests, I believe, who dress exactly like the Ku Klux Klan. And you would often <clears throat> mistake pictures of these priests in, you know, ancient ceremonies as a clan meeting um, because their their robes. And I, I'm fairly confident that the KKK actually used those robes. Um, they modeled them on these priests on historic documents. Um, but again, it's, yeah, it's, it's the iconography of something. I agree with you completely. Why can we not just say, well, this thing isn't just black and white. It's not just, oh, that's a racist flag. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish racists would stop waving Confederate flags. In fact, I'm fairly sure at a COVID protest, I saw somebody waving a Confederate flag a few weeks ago in the UK. That makes much and sense. I'm, yeah. And it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's disappointing because you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people with a very proud heritage who see that flag as having an application of history. And if you talk to most Americans, that's yeah. exactly what they feel. It's history. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, nobody's against anybody showing it as such because it's history. And it, like you said, like a lot of us agree, it shows where they've come from and where they are now. And mm-hmm. most well, Americans understand that. It's just you've got the minority who make a fucking meal out of it. Plus, I think it's an incredibly short-sighted view of history to assume that the South versus the North was all about we want to keep slaves. That was, <laughs> that was, was not the that reason there was a civil war. It was a, uh, again, I mean, that's exactly. an incredibly regressive view of history. Yeah, but again, though, that that in itself says a lot about, you know, so The Simpsons, that classic episode, Much of Pooh About Nothing, where Apu himself, who has the character has come under criticism in, in recent times, is and trying to get replaced. asylum. 
Yes. And his final question in the American exam to become a citizen, his final question is, well, now, sir, here's your final question. What was the cause of the Civil War? And Apu was like, well, really, there are multiple causes when you consider. And your man just goes, just just say racism. Yeah, (laughs) just just say slavery. Just say slavery. And he's like, slavery it is. You know what? That's such a great satire of the whole situation. They really told the future on that one. They have. (laughs) The Simpsons have done it again. They did it again. Now, going back to cars, guys, and away from all this highly socio-political shit, um, one thing I love in movies, more so than like, I mean, what we're talking about here mostly has been like, classic cars and you know good muscle cars that look cool on camera i've always liked it more when you see um film versions of cars and i don't mean specifically like demolition men where they had prototypes of cars like the single seat driving central lane cars but i mean like land of the dead where they take like a school bus turn to like a death mobile or or mad max fury road where they take a bunch of cars yeah and they just make them all fucking crazy and spiky and cool and shit i love that modification kind of um taking something you understand and making it movie-ish, making it futuristic. Yeah. I love those kind of things. And I wonder what's some good examples you guys love of, of things where they've done that. Cause I go back, I'm just going to say real quick. I always go back to land of the dead. I fucking loved the uh, bus the in land of the brilliant. dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, neon city did it one similar to that as well. They assumed this truck up as well uh, to get from one place to another to, to beat all the, the bad guys, because that was a futuristic film as well. Uh, yeah. They've done that a few times, but yeah, I agree. Space, um, not Space Truck, what was it? Um, uh, there's another one called Truckers. I can't remember what it is. Not Space Truck, that was obviously Space, it was something else. But yeah, they've done that a few times, but Mad Max is for me. It was, I just love all the, the souped up cars uh, and stuff like that. Each Mad Max was great, but I thought Fury Road took it to the next level. I, I thought it loved the, uh, the imagery in that movie. Is it, is it the oh. The the tanker full of um, yeah. Well, actually, even in the second, I can't remember what it was called. I'm sure but it was War Machine. I'm sure they called it. My favorite part. I'm just gonna say my favorite part of that whole movie. I don't know if you guys are fans or not fans, but I loved Fury Road. And my favorite scene of the whole movie is how they've got that one truck coming down, barreling down from obviously um, I can't remember the guy's the bad guy's name. It was the guy who played Toe Cutter, the original uh, Morton Joe. And Morton Joe's got this one big badass truck coming down, and there's a dude on top with a bunch of amps and yeah. speakers just playing a fire breathing guitar to rile everyone up. And they got guys on drums on either side, and that's so. <laughs> kind of like old school tribalism the way that you know you'd have tribes would like lead the drum line so that the people would feel compelled to move forward and how even back in the early wars you had soldiers who their entire job was to drum yeah. the snare to keep the uh the, the team moving forward and it was like some amazing beautiful distillment of that into this way acid trip fucking massive beast of a vehicle oh that just i saw that man i had like my heart wept and my dick got hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, the easy one for you, which uh, did crazy things with uh, classic cars, the original Death Race 2050. Mm-hmm. Yes. That did Frank- some crazy shit with cars. I like put the fans on them and everything. I fucking like love Frankenstein in that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that, the one with, is that Carradine yeah. that plays Frankenstein in that one? Or is that the 
Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, actually, the original yes. one was Carradine. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's. I I know it's not a modified truck as such. Um, but I mean, the Pork Chop Express yeah. is the first one that comes to mind because I read a story about that recently, um, and I didn't know this at all until I'd stumbled across it. That the Pork Chop Express was is actually in England now. Um, it was only brought last June from France. It oh, came wow. into England. Yeah, its new owner has it somewhere in England, basically, and whether they're planning to use it at conventions. But it is the original 1985 truck that was driven by Kurt Russell in the film that was used within Big Trouble in Little China. Uh-huh. Um but just having having a look here, um, now, yeah. So it's a, a 1985 Freightliner FLC 120, and the truck was it made Calais its home in 2006. It's owned by Wilford O'Brien, and the Freightliner was operated by him until as recently as 2018, and since then. Uh, for whatever reason, he decided that in June 2020, he would bring the truck to England. So somewhere uh, that that truck is in the UK. I feel like we should hunt it down <laughs> and look I at feel it. we go, should. Because here's the thing, right? There's a truck. This is how powerful movies can be. And, and especially a movie as fucking cult fevered as Big Trouble in China. That is just an 18 wheeler and they painted a yeah. cool logo on the side. That's it. There's yeah. no, there's no model. It's just a fucking truck. It shouldn't be a big deal, but it's the pork chop fucking express. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And, yeah. and that just goes to show what an incredibly good movie that was. They didn't do fucking nothing to it. It was a goddamn 18 wheeler. No big deal, but it's the pork chop fucking express, man. It's Jack fucking Burton's mobile. Come on. Yes. Here's one for you. And when it's staring down hard on you on a dark open road, you say, have you paid your dues, Jack? I say, yes, sir. The check is in the mail. Jack Burton always says <laughs> that it's time like this. That's the one. He, he's a crazy one for you. He's about the Winnie Bigo in Spaceballs. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm done nice. with that. Yeah. Fucking Spaceballs. What a classic. I'm going to throw you one. Doesn't it open up at the end like wait wait a minute real quick Chris doesn't it open up at the end like um, the sides open up to like these little um, wings yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Just come off yeah 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 it always yeah. reminds me so every time I see that it reminds me of the brick version of Moonwalker <laughs> when he has the car in the car he, well, he turns into a fucking yeah. car <laughs> yeah what yeah. car does he turn into in Moonwalker I have to find that out. I can't remember now. Because he literally turns into this really flashy, over-the-top car. I don't even know if it's a real car, if they made it up for the movie. I know it's really It looks so much like the car from James Bond. I'm sure it's like a Lotus. I was going to say, I'm sure it's a Lotus. I think it is a Lotus. It's turns it. It's a Lancia Stratos Zero. Ah, that's right. It's a concept. It's a designed concept car. Um, it's a Burton designed concept car called Valencia Stratos Zero. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. At a mere 35 inches tall, access is gained via the windshield. <laughs> that yeah. is cool as fuck. I'm sorry. That is a pure, that is exactly what Michael Jackson would be if he was a car. Makes total sense because it yeah. makes no fucking sense. Yeah. That's amazing. 
You can actually buy this card. It comes with movie memorabilia, movie poster, and articles about the car. I want to buy it. Wow. It's only a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, get, get two. Get two. Get two. Get five. That's it. We could take fleet of them. We, we don't need to buy the thing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll buy them. And then we'll resell them. And then we'll yeah. buy the eighteen wheeler. And then we'll resell <laughs> that. We're on our way to bullet, yeah. guys. Eventually, we'll get the bullet. Sure, there we're just flipping cars all the time. That's what we're doing. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's our future. <laughs> I, I I gotta go with your idea though. I'm thinking that I've got to hunt down this guy who owns the Pork Chop Express, or sorry, the yeah, the Pork Chop Express, and just basically get like a an answer from him oh. and just know oh where my God. is your truck. No, wait a minute. No, no, shut shut your face. Listen, you just gave exactly me the best idea ever. You've I know done it exactly again. What you're about to say? What am I going to say? You're about to say that the guy that we're working with at the moment, the secret project, that we do that with the Pork Shop Express. Correct. That- It'd be fucking amazing. It would be. It would be amazing. Oh my god, D- oh, dude. What about this I'll just t- I'll just tell him. Uh, okay. So we recently did. I'll tell everybody. I don't give a fuck. Okay. You, you let okay. me know if you think I need to cut it from the episode. So we recently sure. did this competition through New Enterprise Studios, which was the Six Dimension Music Video Competition, which is where we asked ah, artists okay. from around We're the world. With, Wade is now on, on 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 the down same page. With, yeah. We asked people from around the world to send us their music, and we would pick a winner I'm internationally yeah, and a winner, yeah, and a winner nationally. <laughs> The national winner, we would provide a music video completely in-house for, and the international winner would provide a, a remotely filmed video for them for whatever country they're in. And the international uh-huh. winner turns out to be in, like, uh, where, where is he again, Wayne Man? Is it Sweden? I uh, want to say it's Slovenia. Slovakia. I looked at you, always said that, and it's the other one. <laughs> well, either way, he's very far away, but his song yes. happens to be related to a family member of his who uh, was a truck driver and had passed away. And so he wanted the video to be based on the idea of the lonely life of truck driving, basically. And uh, combine a lot of that imagery with his song. And so we were like, okay, well, we need to get a truck and we need to film that. That'll be really good. And all of a sudden, when you bring up Porkchop Express, it's like, holy shit, how cool would it be if in the video, it was the Porkchop Express truck that he was driving. And now that's all I want. That's all I want (laughs) in life now. And how relevant is that video going to be right now in England when we're talking about Brexit and the shortage of truck drivers at the moment? Yes, exactly. It's so much in the news like this. I mean, the bus companies have a shortage of drivers and the truck companies delivering supplies across the border coming from Calais into England. It's yeah, it's mad. It's it's very, very relevant. So I'm going to make it my mission to at least unless he turns around to me and he's like, yeah, yeah, you can use the truck. But I got to be honest with you, it's just down in Torquay. Good luck. And then yeah. I'm like, right, we have to make like a nine hour trip on Road the trip. train. Well, hey, if we can work. get if if we, I was just going to say, if we can get to use that truck, it's worth the fucking I'll fucking drive you down. Even if it takes all week, I'll drive you down. Yeah, it sounds enough, like it a, that sounds like a little holiday of, of excitement. <laughs> no, I want to <laughs> say, guys, we, we hire you a caravan and we just truck on down. Now, I have to go to our roots here a little bit, because obviously okay. at, at the end of the day, as much as we are filmmakers and as much as we are 
you know, film watchers. We do also have a horror company. We do a lot of horror. And there is some iconic horror cars. And I know the first one that would come to Cosmos. most people's minds would probably be Christine. Mm-hmm. Christine. You know, bright yeah. red, oh, 1958 okay. Plymouth Fury. Um, I think christine's overrated but everyone loves christine and she's a beautiful car don't get me wrong it's nice but i can think of one car that to me speaks volumes about horror now i don't want to say it first i'm going to wait and see if anyone else says it but i want to know what's your favorite iconic horror car i'm gonna start with wayne thompson wayne thompson what's your favorite iconic horror car oh there's a few but one what notoriously screams at me is a car very similar to Christine, but it's not. It's actually the Cadillac from Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm, very nice. Give a little more detail to that. Well, it's it's the it's it, it's the reason it's very similar uh, to uh, the Plymouth in um, Christine is it's red, obviously. But any what they've done is for the for the top, they've actually put his stripes on. So it's got like yep. green and red stripes on. Because um, it modifies uh, after the last mm. scene, doesn't it? It does. It's the last scene, exactly. Yeah, it's where um, she's looking back at the mom getting dragged through the, the, the window and everything or whatever. The tiny uh, window. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, just the car itself is just absolutely stunning. And to me, it's pivotal. I mean, I've actually got a little model of it upstairs in, in the attic. <laughs> um, and it's got the little Freddy Krueger and everything with it. It's brilliant. But it's it's just there's something about it just screams out Nightmare on Elm Street every time you see it because of, it's more because of the hood obviously with it being green and red, but just mm. the whole element screams back to the nineteen eighty four film. Uh, just mm-hmm. I don't know, there's something about it. Yeah, it's just like even even fire streaks on the side of a car. There's certain things yeah. that become iconic even though it's not a modification to the car itself. Uh, Chris, what about you? Favorite horror related car i'm curious if anyone's going to get the one i'm still going to say it's it's not even a car it's a truck okay please tell me it's from maximum overdrive no no because i thought i thought wayne would do that i thought wayne was going to do that one in honesty but i I, I, I I love being surprised i do love that but i i don't class that as a full-out horror so and neither of them are actually cars because uh, one of them okay. actually goes back to what you were saying before about modified ones. So I'll do that one first. The, AP, okay. the armored personnel carrier from Aliens was my modified one. Delicious. I because like that. do you know what that actually yes. was before it became that? It was Go an on. airport tug. You know when you see the vehicles um, driving the tugging a yep. like a seven four seven would it be on? Indeed. They bought one of them. And just retrofitted it to look that, which I just thought was the coolest looking thing ever. I've got a model of that APC on my shelf behind us. It's just amazing. But horror one, which, by the way, just real quick for for everyone in the audience, Chris, use this piece of trivia, which I'm sure Chris already knows, is nearly every scene when you see that inside the building going toward the soldiers is actually a miniature on a miniature set, That's and right. it's a remote control car. It's fucking awesome, isn't it? It's just it's. But that's how good their effects stood up to today. Most people think it's a full-size car. But for the... So, yeah, use the trivia. The What's your second one, one, Chris? The horror one would be Jewel. Ooh, the truck yeah. that's, that basically follows him and chases him the whole round. Like, if you want... Because like, they, they reused that scene in things like... Um, oh, they renamed it, didn't they? It was Joyride, but it was called something at Roadkill, originally it was called. That... That image of that yeah. big wagon, that 18-wheeler just barreling down at you, 
when you're in a little bit, that's just, oh, that's, that gets you going. One of the very, very first Spielberg movies, and I don't think a lot of people even credited because I think that most people discovered him after Jaws. I like that. That's a good, that's a good call. Wayne Madden? Um, I'm going to be really obscure here because I'm not the biggest fan of horror, um, but I did see a film many years ago which scared the shit out of me. And I only watched it because one of the actors in it was Joseph Cotton, who did a lot of work with Orson Welles. And mm. I was a big fan of Joseph Cotton's work and a big fan of Orson Welles' work. And I came across this film that he had a role in, and it was made in 1980. Um, and it's an American horror film called The Hearse. Now, it's a film that's directed uh, by a guy called George Bowers, who actually is meant, I didn't know this, I've just been looking it up to look smart, is meant <laughs> to have directed a couple of episodes of The Dukes of Hazard, believe it or not. Oh, wow. But basically, The Hearse is a 1980 film, and it's basically about this. I remember this, that. Uh, I've seen it. Yeah, it's. It's about this woman. She's a school teacher. She relocates to a small town to inherit a summer house from her aunt who has passed away. But she later finds out that her aunt is a devil worshipper because why not? And this ends up tri <laughs> triggering a load of supernatural occurrences, including a hearse coming to life and trying to run her off the road. So I saw this film years ago and I was like, holy shit, I should have never watched this. But I was intending to go through everything Joseph Cotton had ever acted in. And that was how I came across this little film. But um, yeah, it's again, that's, that's something that comes to mind because hearses have always been, I mean, instinctively, even if I'm on the street and I see a hearse, immediately I get a bit of a chill, you know, for obvious reasons. It's normally a funeral possession or something, but it's just, it's that one car that kind of fills me with dread, if you like. Mm. Funny, because that would be a close second to mine. Not that one, but the hearse from Ghostbusters. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. Can I just say, I really want you to start writing people's synopses for their movies. I think that you do it wrong. Because, and a, a woman goes to an heir in her aunt's house because she was a devil worshiper because why not? I don't see much <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. Then, of course, things escalate as they would do in a movie. But, you know, that's because movies are stupid. So anyway, and I, I love the way you describe shit, man. Funny I, enough, I, will, I have yeah. not seen The Hearse, the movie The Hearse that you speak oh, of. Really? And so oh, I quickly... Well, yeah, I quickly Googled it, and the first thing that came up was not the movie, but that there's a couple in the UK who took a hearse and converted it, and you can get it on Airbnb and stuff, and it's called The Grim Sleeper. And it's just a hearse with a bed in the back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How awesome is that? Now, that's a really good answer. I like that one. I'm not, I will have to check that out, the hearse. I've not seen it um so i will i will look into that but what i was gonna say for i like so surprised that none of you I'm guys so, said it i thought you'd already said uh let me then i mean look, don't get me wrong there's a load of other good ones you before you want yours Sam, i mean i'm intrigued to see yours but you've got things like the wraith you've got um mm -hmm. you've got nicholas cage uh drive angry but you've also got his bike from ghost rider there's, mm -hmm. you, you know there's a lot of really good 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 cars so, but i'm intrigued to see what yours is well, well, mine, and it covers all the bases, I think, which is number one, it's an iconic car. 
uh, because of the amount of usage it's had, which is Sam Raimi's 1973 Oldsmobile yeah, Delta 88. Yep, 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 yep. It's used in Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Crime um, Wave, Dark Man, Spider-Man. It's used in every one of his movies. And most famously, I think, in Army of Darkness, it actually gets turned into the Death yeah. Coaster. Yeah, and so right. it's again one of those movie modified cars, and I fucking love the Death Coaster with the big old grill on the front and then all the swoopy yeah. shit on the back. I love what they did in well, that. Yeah, movie. because it got chopped off in the in the transition. That's why. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, the uh, if, and for those who don't know about this, for crazy people who don't pay attention to shit like this, if you look at every movie created by Sam Raimi, you will always spot his yellow. Oldsmobile Delta at some stage in every single movie he's done. And even, like I say, in Spider-Man, which is a massive budget movie that he took on, Spider-Man, when he's in his wrestling gear, jumps onto the Oldsmobile before he manages to catch up. The killer who killed Uncle Ben is in the Oldsmobile, and he's on the hood of it before the guy crashes it, and that's when he goes and catches him. So that's something to look out for if you um, are watching through any of uh, Sam Raimi's movies, is that classic piss yellow Oldsmobile. Am I right to me the most iconic horror car because of it. Am I right in thinking? Did was was that also in My Name Is Bruce? It would have been, I think, because uh, obviously him and Bruce grew up together, and they always yeah. share shit like that. Yeah, I know there was some joke that he had where he destroyed the car at one stage for him, and they had to get a recreation. And it's, since one certain movie, it's a recreation of the car. I've just sent you guys a link to our like Facebook page. Uh, through our Facebook chat. Yeah, Have a look yeah. at it. Any of you ever seen a, a film called The, the Cars That Ate Paris? The Cars yeah, That Ate Paris? Yeah, it's a little, like, mid-70s film. Like, the only person I ever remember is in it is the same guy that played Wally in Crocodile Dundee. He's the only guy I ever recognised in it. Little Australian film. And they're in this... So it's probably, I was going to say, so it's probably yeah, an Australian yeah. film. So it's, it's, I was it's just in this to place called Paris, Australia. And what it is, is... Whenever people are driving through to, in order to keep this town sort of thriving and, and, and lasting, the stage accidents. So they'll leave tree roots in the middle of busy roads, or they'll sort of have some. I think it starts with at the beginning, this couple are driving down, and all of a sudden they're on this night road, and just a floodlight appears in front of them, and you can't see, writes the car off and flips it off the road. That sounds yeah. familiar. And, and what they do is they basically kill, kill whoever's in the cars. Um, strip the cars and sell them for parts. But what they do as well, the local teams sort of will take these cars. And if you have a look at the photos that's in there, a lot of these cars are like Mad Max style. And there's one, one of them. Yeah. Yeah. All spiked exactly, up the, and Beetle, stuff. the Beetle is the one I always remember that's just covered in spikes. And I'm sure they call it something stupid like the Hedgehog. And there's this iconic scene of like, of like, the, of like I think it's the mayor of the town spread eagled over the top of this like VW's bonnet. And you see a beetle and you go, yeah, it's, it's just a beetle. But this thing looks as mean as fuck. And you just like, oh, the cars that they do, like they've got them spikes all around them and like chainsaws and stuff. Jesus Christ. Honestly, it's... Yeah, looking at the pictures, it's 100% Mad it Max. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Australian. It's probably been similar makers to who did them. Very cool. If you can find it and watch yeah, it, I'll have some watch it. It's, it's an odd little film, but it's just you look at it, and I'll, I'll guarantee when you see some of the cars, you'll be 100%. Just for the hedgehog, yeah, I feel like I have to watch it. You'll be 100% boned up with it. You'll be like, yeah, <laughs> you are. <laughs> just they look tremendous. That's amazing. Nice. 
again, talking about classic cars and stuff and films and everything, you have to talk about one series franchise of films that obviously featured an absolute boatload of expensive cars, and that would be the James Bond franchise. Now, I know yes. me yes. and uh, Chris and Wayne Thompson briefly talked about this before you came on, Wayne Madden, before we started the episode, and we were talking about which of all the James Bond cars do you find most memorable? And I think that we had kind of, we were all on the same page. So I was wondering if you have a favorite or most recognizable James Bond car. Um, it's probably, I mean, I, I'm instinctively, I want to say the Aston Martin DB7, but it's probably the one, is it the spy who loved me? The Aquarius car yeah. that goes yeah. under the <laughs> That's exactly that's what we all little, said. Yeah. The Lotus is and great. It's like, that's the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah. Is like just the idea of Roger Moore driving this car into like a lake and it goes underwater. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a piece of use of trivia Lotus. for you. What was the nickname given to the car? Oh. No, I'm not going to Google it. I haven't a clue, actually. I can't. Yeah. The, the nickname given to the car was the Wet Nelly. <laughs> I know. And apparently, and this is this is amazing to me, Elon Musk bought the car. Does not surprise me. Did he really? Yep. Wow. And he said he used it as an example of how he should be designing the Teslas. Wow. That's pretty cool. Wow. I mean, I think I think often, you know, you'll see stuff like the Aston Martin DB5 with all of like when they modify it with all of the gadgets, for example. Yep. And you'll see stuff like that. And I can kind of see people, you know, a young Elon Musk as a kid watching James Bond and being inspired to go, this is how I want to do it. I mean, so much of what NASA does at the moment has been inspired by people who've grown up watching Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Of course. And have got, you know, so that's that's quite cool actually that you know films modify and like 30 40 years later kids who watch those films are like i'm going to change the world because of that movie that's that's pretty cool well the thing is i mean you could do a sci-fi episode where you talk about all the great inventions that you saw in star trek or whatever that were just big ideas and then someone somewhere at some stage went wouldn't it be great if that existed and all of a sudden you have you know cellular telephones and you know all these sort of things. I'm still waiting for the teleporters, guys, but, you know, all the rest of it's mm-hmm. pretty much come true. Uh, even yeah. down to, like, stun guns and phasers and stuff are all effectively recreated in modern technology. Um, well, and in an arguably yeah. way, you can say the same about things like the James Bond movies with a lot of their shit with, like, oil slick cars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. A lot of that stuff can be easily done nowadays. And they, they told the future in some ways. A little bit of imagination carries forward through. Can science catch up to tell that for real? But don't we say that's that interesting. in like most episodes? Yeah, that's true. We do. We do. This is it. We, we need to do at some stage, possibly as part of season three, I really want to do a Star Trek episode. Um, if nothing else, for the sake of my mother, who is the one who got me watching Star Trek and basically got me obsessed with it for life and... There's so much Star Trek lore I would love to talk about. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> I'll be fine with that. I'd rather do a Star yeah. Trek episode than a Star Wars episode, to be quite frank. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say, I mean, some of the Star Wars stuff I am a fan of. I'm not going to insult anyone, but Star Trek will. would be above Star Wars for me. Oh, fair. I know you will. But <laughs> oh, I'll be happy to insult people. 
I'm, I'm just going to say, right? It's like James Bond, okay, uh, is a great example. James Bond is a franchise that's lasted. The first film was like what? In the in the late 50s, early uh-huh. 60s? Dr. Early Dr. 60s. No, yeah. yeah. And they're still, yeah, Dr. No. And they're still continuing to this day. And there's been over 20 movies. And there's a point with each different Bond actor where you can say, oh, this is where they've went too far. There's a lot of jumping the shark in the Bond franchise. Um, like, for example, my favorite Bond, I know it's arguable to everybody, but my favorite Bond was always Pierce Brosnan, but he only did two good movies. And all the rest of the movies he was in were crap. They were terrible. They were really bad movies. And I don't think anyone can disagree they were really bad movies. But then they go, okay, quick, reboot, give a different actor. Bam. Um, so there's no, like, it's a loose continuity. You don't have to be like, well, every single Bond movie is amazing. Mm. Yeah. But... Star Wars fans will argue every single Star Wars movie is amazing, even if they know their shit, because they have to just love the whole lore and everything about it. They, t- they take it all as a group as opposed to the individual parts. Like, it's fine. If you say to You're me, right. I love Return of the Jedi and I love Empire Strikes Back and I really love um, r- the Rise of the Sith or whatever it was, the third one from the prequels. If you say that to me and say the rest were OK, I'm like, wow, you have an open mind. Everyone else is just like, no, Star Wars is amazing. I love all of it. Every bit of it's amazing. Even the shit ones are amazing. Yeah, it's true that Wars. because I've, I've had yeah. back and forth with people. I'm a massive original Star Wars. I love the first three, but I've not really seen a good one in the in the follow-ups, including the original trilogy, apart from the great way ones, which I enjoyed. And yet everybody I've spoken to, hell, you know, like that one is Robert, because it doesn't follow up the rest mm. of the stories or this, and it's just shitty filmed or it's just shitty acted or, you know, and you get shot down mm. straight away. It's like, well, hang on, this is my view. You like it, I don't. Go home. Bye-bye. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you're right. Um, true, true Star Wars fans do take the heart. They take um, it too far, man. They take it like, because they love the original so much, anything else will, will somehow tarnish the memory of those unless they just say it's great. Well, if I can briefly go back to James Bond and be an absolute asshole for this. I love it. Bring it on. I, <laughs> I wanna say I wanna say that my favorite James Bond wait, is wait, Bob let me guess. Holness. Ah go, okay. Bob Holness who presented Blockbuster, right? Now this is so Bob Holness, he played James Bond for Moonraker, an adaptation of the Moonraker book in either 1956 or 57. Now, the reason that sources don't actually know the year, it was part of a CBS thing called CBX Climax Mystery Theater in the US. But because it was a live broadcast, no known recording of his performance was ever kept. Oh, wow. But it does make Bob Holness the last man to play Bond before the 007 movie series as we know it now began. Uh, although there was an unofficial adaptation of Casino Royale there too, was, yeah. and that yeah, starred yeah, yeah. David Niven as Double O Seven. Is it Woody Allen? What I, is, what the, I, is the bad guy? Yeah, I believe so. Because what I what I would say is my favorite Bond film is the unofficial Bond film never where Sean never Connery again. came back. Amazing movie. Yes. Yeah, I agree. That's and, the best. And who is who is one of the villains in that movie who turns out to be a turncoat? is a gentleman I mentioned earlier on this show mm-hmm. Go on. is Ron Atkinson. Yep. So Ron Atkinson is in that film in a very, 
it's a very rare role for Ron Atkinson in which he's sort of like, he's initially a friend to Bond, but then he turns out to be like a saboteur or a de- an inside agent. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. But it's <laughs> it's quite an unusual role given that Ron Atkinson mainly didn't do anything that wasn't comedy, not within the last five or six years. For Her Majesty James, no, Alec, for me. Oh. Yes. That, that, again, though, Goldeneye is a phenomenal film. I love like, Goldeneye. I, yeah, I that, love that. that. That reinstate, like, I never was a Bond fan as a kid growing uh-huh. up in America. And then I saw Goldeneye, and I had to go find all the old Bond movies and watch them um, because Goldeneye was that fucking good. Which one was and Goldeneye? Then, was that the first with Brosnan, Here's yeah. Brosnan's debut. Yeah, here's Brosnan's Brosnan debut. It's with Femke Jensen, was uh, Xenia Onatop, yeah, and Alan quite, Cummings was Boris Vankoff. Yeah. It's quite possibly the only James Bond film I really enjoyed. It's a brilliant uh, film. I'm not a big brilliant James Bond fan. It's amazing. I'm, 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 I'm just saying I'm really enjoying Robbie Col- this. Robbie Coltrane is uh, <laughs> Valentin Zakovsky. He's, a, he's brilliant in it. Mm-hmm. It's a damn but, good movie. One, one, one thing the BBC used to do really well was comedy. Faulty Towers, Bottom, uh, as you say, Blackadder. It doesn't. It hasn't really gone the same way. There's been a drop off in quality, but only it for may thirty be the years. Case. Well, this is it. It may be <laughs> there. There's been, there has been a kind of, and and it may be the case that we were saturated with stuff like, um, but I mean, there's there's stuff that was broadcast on BBC that no one ever talks about nowadays because it's just too shameful. Like rock and chip, not not rock and chips, uh, curry and chips, is is a perfect example. If you ever get an opportunity to look at Spike Milligan's curry and chips. It is just literally. It is one of the worst pieces ever broadcast Five on British television. So overrated. It's unbelievable. Indeed. Well, this this was a show for those in your audience not familiar. This was a show in which he and blackface played a, an uh, a Hindu or I'm Indian immigrant basically working with a group of laborers in a factory, a group of white laborers. And there's even one episode in which um, they try and set him up with one of the laborers' daughters, who is a very young girl uh, in a very short skirt. And it, it just makes it so much awkward. And for the 1960s, even, it was quite a racy thing to see on television. But, it, it, you know, in the context of 2021, it is just a very it's a very racist and deeply sort of non PC type show. That said, I got to be honest, I am still a fan of Little Britain and I really feel that it was an overreaction to get rid of Little Britain. Yeah, I really. Yeah, admittedly, I was with, never able to get into yeah, Little Britain. I cannot get oh, away right. with that show for love and money. I, I don't, I don't understand but, it. Don't get it. That's for me, me that's though, yeah. Me. For me though, it's mostly I just really dislike Matt Lucas and um, David. Uh, was Doom, it David Williams? David Williams. Williams. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I just I don't think either of them are very that. funny at all. That's a shame. I gotta say, there's a lot. There's a lot of quotes like that I will get from Little Britain, where I don't know whether it was just like a generational thing that I was the right age at the right time. That it's kind of like the in-betweeners as well. Never that liked that as well. I hated that yeah, show. Might just have been in the right place at the right time. Well, but, yeah. I was going to say before the episode began, we were talking about James Bond cars, and Wade had said he doesn't he doesn't really care for like 
uh, the Rolls Royce and Aston Martins and stuff. And I was like, and he's like, I can't understand why those are so expensive. And I said, well, they have an element of prestige to them. And like, I look no, at no, something like. No, 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 I didn't like, say that. I didn't say the expense. I get yeah, why no, the no, expense. No, 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 no. You were saying you didn't think they were all that exciting. Like you wouldn't go out of your yeah. way to try and have one if you're yeah, a super millionaire. Exactly. I didn't yeah, see that's the appeal of them is what I said. Didn't see the appeal. Exactly. Um, I don't see the appeal of Kevin Hart. And I find that Kevin, no, seriously. And I find that Kevin Hart makes at, you know, more money for one film than someone like say Phil Hartman made his entire career. Phil Hartman died. He had 1 million five in the bank. That's what he left to his kids, a million five, but he was on everything. Like at the time when he died, you couldn't turn the channel without seeing him. So it's shocking to think that he had less money in his bank than Kevin Hart makes for one movie. Now, it's almost shocking to think that way because I just don't know the appeal of Kevin Hart. And I don't know the appeal to an extent of like when I see a really flash, uh, you know, Rolls Royce, I think that's very nice. It's okay. But is it worth that level of money? That's insane. Then I look at someone like Ferris Bueller's car and I go, that's Mm. a fucking gorgeous car. That's got to be worth so much. And it's actually fairly cheap on the scheme of cars. Yeah, exactly. And you're like the perceived value and the real value can be highly different. That was well, it. that was my callback to cars because we're talking about cars. Well, <laughs> one thing I one, one thing I wanted to mention about cars. Um, actually, there were two things. No, no, the other thing is of no importance. But one thing I did want to mention about cars was. Um, I saw a film recently, which is famous for a lot of things, but the last thing it is famous for is cars. And I'm curious as to whether there are other examples like this. I rewatched for the first time in years recently, Basic Instinct. Now, Basic Instinct is obviously famous for a lot of things. The actor's performances, certain interrogation scenes and all that kind of stuff. It is an erotic thriller. That is what it is. Quite controversial now. It is quite controversial. It is absolutely. But the one thing I will say about that film to do with cars, there is the most amazing car chase scene through the streets of San Francisco at night Mm -hmm. in that film. And it is one of the things that nobody ever talks about when they talk about that movie. And I look at those scenes and I think that is such a great use and very much that reminded me of like a throwback to Bullet or something. And I was like, Michael Keaton, I don't know whether, not Michael Keaton, Michael Douglas probably did basic instinct on the idea of, well, at some point, can I do a car race around these streets or something? Mm-hmm. It's almost like the cast and crew were like, okay, you've worked on this movie. You may not have enjoyed it. Let's have a bit of fun and do this car chase scene. <laughs> and uh, and I, I wonder if there are other examples like that, where there are like hidden uses of like car chase scenes in movies that have nothing to do with car racing. I'll, or that. Well, I'll tell you, um, uh, real quick, I'll mention films. <laughs> yeah, if you look at something like French Connection, <clears throat> there's barely a mention or, or usage of cars in that whole movie until there's a massive chase sequence mid movie through French Connection. I think it's French Connection two actually, um, where they go under the um, the bridges and um, the train line in Chicago. Um, but I'll tell you, one of the I was going to bring up at the end car chases and say what's your favorite car chase in a movie. Before that, I want to mention very quickly again. A movie that gets a lot of disrespect, like it's a, it's probably one of the most 
divisively hated movies of all time but i think it's one of the greatest movies you'll ever see if you can go into it with an open mind and a set of sunglasses um and that's speed racer the live action version by the wachowskis um i fucking love speed racer the whole movie is like cotton candy on a film strip it's so bright and oversaturated and colorful and trying to re- replicate that kind of like Saturday morning anime cartoon feel. And it has these fantastically designed futuristic stupid cars. And it's just a brilliantly put together movie. Um, but it is so unbelievably hard to watch in some ways because it is so bright, so colorful, so fast paced. It's like your eyes can't keep up. It's like made for short attention spans. But it's it's an amazing movie. Uh, and then I want to mention car chases. The one car chase that comes to mind immediately when you say a movie where cars aren't really important to it. There is one car chase in a film that. Hell, man, I don't even is cars in the whole rest of the fucking movie. It's just one scene with cars and it's one car chase. And that's in the way of the gun. Um, where oh, the yeah. emphasis yeah. in the way of the gun was about kidnapping and shooting. And they did it very realistically. It was if you have not seen it, it's a brilliant movie where every gun battle is they're constantly reloading, people are constantly missing, people are constantly, you know, evolving the stakes in a very realistic way. And it's not like the typical movie over the top shooting a thousand rounds. This guy shoots four rounds off his shotgun, has to sit and reload the shotgun immediately and, and all this sort of stuff. Very brilliantly put together movie, but they had a car chase in it that was very unique because it was it was called on set the slow chase. Because the idea was more about the drivers trying to get away, tricking the drivers, chasing them, as opposed to outpacing them the way that most movies do it. So it was constantly like going in an alleyway and then slowing right down and then leaving the doors open and making them wonder, are they going to get out? Are they going to stay in? Are they going to bail? Are they going to leave? And tricking them constantly as opposed to outpacing them. Brilliant sequence. Brilliant sequence. And I would definitely recommend you check it out if you've never seen it. it here's um, one for you. I also, oh, yeah. just real quick, I'm just saying, I also know my favorite movie ever for a car chase ever, and I'm going to bring that up when we get into car chases. What were you going to say, I was going to say, one that you want, uh, just to refer back to what Madden said before, one where there's a car chase in it that me personally, I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite scenes in the film, but like you said, the largely, I don't remember ever seeing a car in it afterwards. The Rock. Can I but, guess? I just, it's oh, too late. Mind. I was wrong. But no, the Rock, that's okay. You, you when, he's, when, he's at, when Sean Connery's in the Humvee, smashing up San Francisco yep. streets and Nicolas Cage is driving a Ferrari mm-hmm. behind him trying to catch him. Yep. It's an absolutely fantastic scene when they're driving down these down the steep alley streets and it, there's one point where he even I think he go, drives it through the windows of a warehouse or something. He drives it off a or drives it over the top of a warehouse or something and he just goes oh fuck it why not and just kicks it in kicks it in <laughs> gear and just does the typical you know Typical Nicholas Kitchen just plows straight through this building and comes out the other side. And you've got Sean Connery just trying to smash up everything he can as he's going down the hill to try and block off the route of these police chasing him. That's an amazing scene. See, I don't know why, but I thought you were going to bring up the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that as well. Yeah. Another another classic sequence with a lot of uh, crashed cars and, and chasing. Doesn't around. that hold the record for the most the thing crashed about, vehicles in any scene? I think yeah. it is, yeah. I and did it at the time for sure. I don't know if that's been topped, but it definitely did at the time. 
I mean, it's a great, it's a great film and it's a great sequence and don't get me wrong. But when you think of the Blues Brothers, you would think of a car chase though. So I think that, that Chris's point goes back to my point, which again was just films like Basic Instinct is an erotic thriller. You, you know, The Rock is a film about escaping from Alcatraz. You don't immediately Uh, think. Just to say that's because you're looking at it with hiney sight, sight out your hiney. Because when I was right. a kid growing up, the Blues Brothers were a sketch show where it was just two guys on a stage. Oh, right. Okay. And they were mm. known for being, you know, two guys who were doing sing- who were singing on a stage. The movie was a massive departure from that. And I think it became more well known for shit like the car chases after the movie came out than before. But the characters were just on like Saturday Night Live and so on. Oh, I take your point. I blame the marketing department then. They obviously they used the car chase to sell the film. <laughs> Well, unless you've got like thirty years to look back at it. Yes, that's true. That's true. Lucy's Wayne got a good, uh, car chase, which you wouldn't expect. What's that? Oh, that's true. Actually, there that's is a car chase, and that isn't there. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a good car chase, and you wouldn't expect in that kind of film. Which film was this? Sorry, Lucy, Lucy with Scarlett Johansson. Oh yes, yes, of course. I wasn't too fond of that movie, but that, oh, I, I really enjoyed that, that movie. I thought the first hour of it was amazing. Correct. And then the, the ending which, was so poor. Yeah, yeah yes, they, they, I think they ran yeah. out of ideas toward the end, but I it thought did, it was yeah. a really good movie. The build-up was phenomenal in that movie. I I do say, I do, is that the one where she's sitting in Times Square and it starts going back in time yes. to look yes. like... I loved that sequence that you see Times Square sort of falling down to a point where it's just a field somewhere. That was uh, that that was quite, you know, a great use of imagery. Before we, um, I think we should go to car chases to end this. But before that, well, yeah, I, I want to bring up one more purely iconic car that no one has mentioned. And it really hurts me a little in my soul that no one has mentioned it because Uh-oh. I was waiting for someone else to bring it up and no one has. Is it not just because we've gone off in different sections of everything mm. else? It might be, but to me, this is like when we talked earlier about uh, pure iconic cars, this is one that should have come up and I was waiting for someone else to bring it up and no one did. Um, Herbie the Love Bug, man. I've got that one oh, written wow. down here. That was one I wanted to... Yes, Herbie yeah. the Love Bug. What a fantastic series old, of silly movies. The old number 53. They just said yeah. silly movies because that's what they were. Oh, no, they were always fucking stupid. They were like the Shaggy DA, the early Disney live action movies where it was always over the top oh. silly and you know, I mean, a lot of them had, um, uh, what, Don Knotts in, so, you know, yeah. it was going to be goofy. Yeah. And I, I grew up watching those kind of movies, and I really enjoy I really enjoy the Herbies. It's a good thing to fall back on. Wasn't so keen on the newer Herbie. The, yeah. the one that came out yeah, more no, in the yeah. 2000s, but... Neither, I, neither was Lindsay Lohan. Uh, yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, <laughs> no, but she liked the money. Oh, yeah. She did. And one more to bring up that no one's ever mentioned because we're talking cars and you briefly brought up Ghost Rider's bike is would you not class it as iconic the police uh, bikes from Chips? Well, I, would, I thought you were going to say the chopper from um, Dennis Hopper. How about? Oh, Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Yeah. All, Funny all enough, Easy Rider doesn't come into my head as fast as Chips. How weird is that? Actually, speaking of cars as well, and, and again, not the second two, but I just want to say a lot of praise for the Pixar Cars film with Owen Wilson, the first one, 
when I saw that film, I was really impressed by that. Um, and I mean, yeah, it is a kid's film, but I found it very enjoyable. Um, and I, I thought, again, it was a great sort of use of like animation and a great use of character. Unpopular opinion. I think that Cars, the first one, is a tremendously good story and a really well acted story that tells a really yes. pertinent message. The second it's and a- third movies do not do any of that. Oh, the um, second and third movies are garbage. The, um, the third, she- I had a lot of hope for with the whole him getting wounded thing and being old, yes. too old to race, yeah. but they fucked that storyline up and it wasn't as good as I hoped. It was basically just, it's okay, man, because uh, pussy's awesome. That's basically what the third movie amounted <laughs> to. Forget about it, your it, dreams if you've got pussy on hand. But the first movie, I'm just going to say real quick, a piece of use of trivia, that story was created by Joe Raft, um, who okay. was one of the original original Pixar guys. And while they were developing cars, and I find this almost like a backhanded, it shouldn't be such a nice thing, but it is a nice thing. While they were developing cars, if you watch the movie, it's dedicated to Joe Raff because Joe Raff was killed in a car crash on his way to Pixar to work on cars. His car with him and his son in it went over a cliff and blew up on the, on the bases on like Santa Clara Beach. Oh my and god! They dedicate the movie Cars to Joe Raft, who was killed in a car crash. I find that ironically hilarious. That's honestly that that film. I mean, I I remember it for for so much. I mean, I actually saw it for the first time in a cinema in in Canada, um, and I knew nothing about the film before I went in and saw it. And I think I've spoken about him before on this show, Stephen Neeson, who mm-hmm. was a friend of mine, and we worked in the same place in a cinema. And then we went on like a work vacation to Canada. A group of us came together and went on this work vacation. And so we decided to go to the cinema when we were in Canada to see a couple of films that were out early at the time. One of which, a comparison to Ireland. And one of those was Cars. And just like Owen Wilson, Paul Newman in his final mm-hmm. role. Yep. It was just, it was honestly, it was just such a great film. And it was, I was like, I have such hope for what Pixar can do because they've done Toy Story and everything. And then, yeah, the second and third ones arrived and I thought they just want to sell merchandise now. They, you know. Yeah. 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 Even even the first one I thought was going to suck so bad. I didn't see it in theaters. I was like, oh, they're they're just merchant now. This is just pandering. But the first movie did have a really good plot and I was surprised. Yeah. And the second and third are just so fucking terrible they should have been direct to video well, even that- too, the quest for more money isn't it yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly <laughs> what it is <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah but this is it it's it's about the message which comes back to cars again the message in the film cars comes back to that whole thing of enjoying the drive it's about sort of savoring the moment and you know, if you build a highway everywhere and you never see anything, then you just miss out on life. If you just take the highway, sometimes it's good to just enjoy the drive, um, which I thought was a lovely was a lovely message. You know, some would say life is like a highway, but like Indeed, I did it my way. Go on, Wayne Thompson. The Rascal yeah. Flats, the Counting Crows, whatever happened to those? No, but they they all say that. What was that, Wayne Thompson? Because yeah. It's because years ago you could enjoy the drive because there yes. wasn't as many people on the roads. Now we're oversaturated because you can't enjoy the drive. It's as simple as that. Indeed. People say to me, oh, did you see that? Uh, yeah, because I've got 10,000 cars in front of us. Of course I saw that. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> do you know this? This 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 one car that and it's a, it's a classic for me. It's probably one of my dream cars. And I really thought Wayne Thompson. I thought I was. I didn't mention it. If I you're going to say gonna... what you're going to say, shoot the football because I'm going to ask before we go into the car chases. I want to know everybody's favorite car in a TV show. <laughs> go so on. So just hold on. Oh, what you're going to say there, just on, in case. Luck, but well, all right then. I'll move on from that one. But there's Specifically one of the, in the TV show. Did you say? Oh, go on, Chris. Go yeah, on. because oh, that's what got me in. Uh... We're 100 the right. Yeah, we're 100 on the same page with this one. Then, but the other one I was going yeah. to say was a car that's for me. Like I think it's an amazing look. It's more the styling of it, and it's just one of those cars that you would go, "That'd be cool as fuck to see." The Ford Explorers in Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, yes. funny enough, I had that on the. Uh, I had that on one of my yeah. lists early on. Like the Tourer cars, like those are amazing looking things, and you see mm. one of those, and with it, it doesn't even have to have Jurassic Park written on it. But you know straight away what film it's from. Hmm, yeah, so you- I was. I was I was going to suggest the favorite cars from TV. We did the horror one early on. Yeah. You know, but for me, the reason I want to do a show is I grew up with TV cars, not film cars as such. It was, you know, like to go back to the old 18s and the chips, as you said, and things like that. Yeah. Um, but even today, you get a lot of new TV shows now where they're driving classic cars. The classic cars have made a massive comeback. Mm-hmm. Not just in TV, in film as well, by the way. John Wick and all them drive all the, the old Chevys and everything. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask, what would growing up, what would your favorite car have been, or what mm. even now, like what what's your favorite TV car? Well, I think Wayne, I think you should lead this one. Give us your favorite. I've got to say, as Chris was about, I think about to say it. Go on, <laughs> it's got to be, we're hundred percent on the same car here. It's got to be the Chevy Impala '66 from uh, Supernatural '67. It is just one of. It's 66, dude. Check, do you? Oh. Um, well, actually, no. I tell like you're kind of right. It's 66 stroke 67. Yeah. Because uh, I did a bit of research on it once, and it was released late 66. And then I think the rest of them were released uh, early 67. But it's just such a cool looking car. Yeah. And do you know what? Do you know why they picked it? it? When it drives. Hey? Do you know why they picked it? Because originally why? it was going to be a Mustang. It's because right. it originally was going to be a Mustang and Eric Kripke, one of the guys in it, he went, he went, oh yeah. And um, he found out that you could fit a body in the in the boot of an Impala and went, that's the car for the for them boys. That was the whole reason. <laughs> picked, that was the whole reason he picked that car. He went, put the Mustang, you can fit a body in the back of this. That's what we need. And it ties that's into what you were saying about- fantastic reference. But it ties into what you were saying about perceived value. Before that show came out, you could pick up those those vehicles for about five thousand, for about five thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. Now and now the expense is out. The ten times that, the average yep. price of one that's in good is fifty thousand, and that's all because the fan base have gone out and been snapping up all these old models that are still kicking around because they're such an amazing car, and it just brings it back to, back into people's, you know, back into people's minds, and it's 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 a gorgeous bit of kit as well. It's stunning. Do you know the two the two main actors actually got a car each at the end of the show? Yeah, they kept them. <laughs> yeah, they kept, no, they, they were given. They were given. Not because they kept them. They were giving them as a as a thank you gift. Baby, that's what he calls it, isn't it? Baby. Yeah, yeah. I'll just say I do know there was a time, uh, like late nineties through to like the mid two thousands uh, or mid two thousand tens even, where a lot of TV shows were. Um, 
sponsored by car companies uh famously Chevy's, things like still find, uh, yeah, yeah shows like 24 and lost and stuff and even breaking bad had deals where everyone had to drive like a fucking aztec that's why everybody's that's got right. the same car in breaking bad everyone's got the same truck um and in 24 everyone had you know gnc range rovers and all this sort of shit uh but now i think because tv has become so much more its unique entity again you're winding up with what car would fit the show as opposed to who wants to pay money to make this show and give us your vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. That's why you're getting this resurgence of actual character cars as opposed to just everyone drives the same fucking exactly. truck. Exactly. Um, Chris, is, would your car have been the same? Uh, it, it would have been, yeah, it would have been exactly the same. So what I, would, what I would probably say is just to touch on what you said there, you're talking about character cars, cars that would fit you know, the, the, the people in the show. I think there's a perfect example of that because I can't imagine any other car fitting. It was a TV show, a British one, probably. And if I if I give you some clues, see if you can guess it. Probably the Since. biggest Brit. No, no. Probably the biggest British comedy of all time. Oh, comedy. Yeah, Mr. Bean. Most of it doesn't get shown now because it was the time it was made. There's a oh. lot of stuff that they wouldn't allow on TV. But the big, it's probably the longest. I think I think it's actually the longest running British TV comedy, um, and the, certainly the biggest. I would say David Jason. The little yellow Reliant Regal. Yeah. Imagine no. that I mean, without any with any other car other than that, and that is, I think, the perfect example of the car that was chosen to fit the characters to fit the people yeah yeah these little yeah. downtrodden family that haven't got a pot to piss in money wise and wheeling and dealing and trying to it's just it's even when you see the car it just on its own like just driving on the road it's it's them you know what you you know that Bell it's boy. the Trotter family yeah like, what about you Wayne Madden I think I've I've got to go with what you were just about to mention there, which was Mr. Bean and his mini, a hundred percent. I know this is going to sound wrong, but I would pay to see you try and get in a mini. Oh, uh, do you know, do you know what? I would gladly accept that money. I, I, would, gladly, I would gladly accept that money. It would. Honestly. It would be like high tower in police academy. You'd have to rip the seats out and sit <laughs> in the back you know, and drive it. <laughs> let's let's be honest. Mister Bean's Mini was the only car that I've ever wanted to own an action figure of. That I've ever wanted a toy car of. Now, I I must I must say as well. I've literally only found this out just this moment now, which has shocked me a bit. So Mr. Bean's Mini was used in two very popular video games, both of which I've played. The first one, I remember very well that there's a mission in Grand Theft Auto V where you're asked to steal the Mini and take it to a nightclub, and it looks kind of like Mr. Bean's Mini. But the second game, in the very start of the game, as you're approaching the police station, Mr. Bean's Mini makes a cameo in Resident Evil 2. And it was purposefully <laughs> inserted in that game, Mr. Bean's Mini. It was designed to purposefully look like that car. And I've not known that until this day. And I've had to look it up exactly where it is. And I'm like, oh, my God, they've put it in that game. But there you go. But, yeah, Mr. Bean's. So the original uh, Mr. Bean's Mini was originally a 1969 BMC Morris Mini 1000 Mark II 
but it was later replaced by a Citroen Green 77 Leyland Mini 1000. Um, so the original pilot episode of the show, Mr. Bean's Mini, is red, but then when they replace it, it was green. And it's the green one, obviously, that I remember, you know, most of course, iconically. Yeah. yeah. Well, fantastic. Black, black fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Y'all are going to hate my answer. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. Give us it. If you're asking me when I was growing up, what car actually spoke to me the most, it would have been one of two cars. And it's hard to tell because of, of my different ages, which one would have spoke to me more. And that would either be the gadget mobile or the turtles party wagon. Turtles hands down. Turtles, turtles hands down. down. Hell yeah. I didn't know we could do animated stuff. Well, I had to because that's what I grew up with the most. Yep. You oh. can have an animated one with the mystery actually, machine all day long. In all fairness, they've both made real films, so they both had and true. the turtle van was actually true. in the latest one. That's that is true. true. It was. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Although the go go gadget car was pretty shit in the live action movie. It was, it was. Yeah, but... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matthew Broderick. Uh, if if it hadn't been anyone else but Matthew Broderick, that film would have gone nowhere, and it still went nowhere. But it was well, still Matthew Broderick. Did so. you see the sequel where it was French Stewart playing him? Oh my God, no! French Stewart played Inspector Gadget in the sequel, and it's bless him, he is not Matthew Broderick. <laughs> no, he is not. <laughs> so, wow. guys. Finally, to end this with a bit of smash and crash, bang, bang. Excellent. Best car chases in movies ever. I'm, well, before we do that, do you know what the longest car chase was? Uh, longest bullish, car chase. Possibly because it was the whole movie nope. or no. Okay. <laughs> it was 40 minutes of one long chase. Oh, OJ and Simpson's pre- chase down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> Hank pre- briefly mentioned this before. Was it, wait, would it not be Mad Max? Nope. Okay. I don't know. The original Gone in 60 Seconds. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah, 40 minutes of him uh, in the yellow Mustang. Shamefully, I've only ever the, seen the remake. But yeah, I must watch the... Is the <laughs> yeah, probably. It's, a, it's apparently the longest car chase. I can believe wow. that. Because back in the day, man, they didn't want to let you go once they got you going on something. Nowadays, oh, no. yeah. action scenes are cut to be like five, ten minutes tops. It's very much like Lord of the Rings. Um, Peter Jackson said he was going to do the Helm's Deep battle nonstop, continuous, 45 minutes, no cuts. And then when he got into editing, he went, oh, actually, that gets really boring. So he had to cut away to the ends. And I'm like, oh, I see. Cut away to the really boring dudes who can't talk very fast to make the thing seem faster. Makes sense. Well, I'm going to start with car chases because mine are going to be divisive. I've got two and there's a reason I've got two. The first one is, in my opinion, the best movie for car chases ever made. And the second one is the best modern car chase I've ever seen. And the reason I use the term modern is it used CGI and filmmaking techniques that weren't available in the past to make the sequences work. And which is what most movies do now. Uh, but I still think it stands up as an amazing sequence and a technical achievement on every every element. 
which is the modern sequence is the highway sequence from the Matrix Reloaded. Okay. I, if anything, you mm-hmm. can say that. Yep, because I love the way they put that shit together, and I think that it stands up as an amazingly good, brilliantly made sequence that is never given nearly enough credit because of people's general reaction to the movie. Um, and then when it comes to an actual movie about car chases, there's uh, a movie that has it's probably got 16 car chases in it, and each one is just gets better than the last one, and that's the film Ronin with yes. Robert De Niro. Yes. Has anyone here not seen Ronin? I don't think I have, to be honest. I'm going to say no, I haven't. It's a John Frankenheimer movie about a series of uh, car chases that lead between heists. Um, if memory serves, uh, Sean Bean is the villain. <laughs> Just to ruin it for you. I don't know why I haven't seen it then. But, it's um, a great yeah. movie. Really good car chases. Excellently put together. And I would highly recommend it to anyone. What makes them so good is there was lots of bumper cam filming, lots of actual chases yeah, filmed live yeah. um, that felt very tight, very close. A lot of European streets. Good gun battles as well. It's very heat-esque. But the car chases take the cake in this movie. And it was, I, I'd argue one of John Frankenheimer's better movies because of it. Hmm. Not that he didn't have it. Not that he had a shortage of good movies, mind you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I, I fucking love Ronin. Um, let's go with Chris Reed. Chris, what, what's your favorite car chases? Uh, there's, there's two I'll go for, and I think you'll be surprised with one of them after our conversation about aliens, predator and terminator the other week. Because <laughs> you, you pointed out quite well that Terminator doesn't rank highly on my list. Mm-hmm. But one of them mm-hmm. is actually the, the the chase scene in Terminator Two, when down the uh, oh yes uh, into yeah, the LA when, River. Yeah, when River Patrick's in the in the truck chasing them on the dirt bike, and mm-hmm. it's it's not even so much about that, but it's more it's the bit when Arnie just comes down on a motorcycle from the from the left hand side, the ramp, down and, he's, the yeah, music and, he's, swells and he swells and he picks him off the bike. It's the shotgun. For um, me, it's the shotgun when he, when he just when he swivels, the gate swivels it round a cockpit. Yeah, to reload it like that to me is just it's cool as fuck. And the bit when he stops and he goes, "We've lost him," and all of a sudden this truck just comes barreling over the top of the the ramp and just smashes down in the middle of it. And his face, the blood drains out of his face, and he has to drive off again. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, um, and the other one. Again, it's kind of split into two parts because it, it actually I think it's a chase scene that fair enough it it's it's it ends and then but it kind of starts again across the end of one movie and the start of another. And that's John Wick and John Wick Two. Yes. When he's in when he's in the Mustang and he's hunting, I can't remember what the guy's called, but the Russian mafia head, he's he's chasing him at the end of the first one and they're in the two SUVs. Yeah, but- and he and he just and he's just killing all of them and he never once steps out the car. And I think mm-hmm. there's a bit where one of the guys is stood next to it and he hits the car and he knocks him through the vehicle onto the other side. <laughs> yeah. And that continues on into the second one where he starts to hunt the the next guy. And it's it's not even there's only his car in it, I think, unless unless there's a I think there might be a taxi well, or something. Well he's in like a warehouse or something in the beginning yeah. of the second one, isn't he? And it, and again, and he's just flipping this car around and killing these guys using this like opening the doors and that. I absolutely love that. I think it's such a cool scene. Mm. It's just oh, absolutely amazing. And you're just watching this this absolutely gorgeous Mustang getting absolutely destroyed 
And every time you think going, yeah, he's killed one, you're going, oh no, he's he's lost another part. Oh no, just watching this thing. <laughs> it looks like it looks like a tin can someone's just smashed with a sledgehammer by the end of it, and you're like, oh no, watching this poor, beautiful poor car, car getting destroyed. <laughs> but yeah, they would be my two. Nice. I think that's pretty good picks. What about you, Wayne, man? Okay, here's my controversial opinion for this week. Um, I like controversial opinions. So I recently found this is actually, these films form part of my guilty pleasure. It's the second one of these films, but I only found out the other day that the third one is still in production after nearly 10 odd years. And I was so delighted to hear that they are going to make a third one. But my guilty pleasure for a car chase scene based in London driving around the UK has to be Nicolas Cage being pursued in National Treasure 2. And they're just destroying the streets of London after the Buckingham Palace. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I honestly, like, I just, I, I love, I just love those movies. They are just, they are very much like a, a movie version of the Uncharted game, which is kind of why I like them so much. But they are very just cool films. You can put them on and just watch them and not have to think about things. And well, of they're, course, they're very- I have to love them because they're basically uncharted. If you were constantly shouting America every yeah, five yeah. fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to love the National Treasure movies. But yeah, apparently I'm shocked that there's a- ever going to be a third one. I'll be blown oh. away if a third ever comes out. Apparently, we're getting a third one, and it's going to be exclusive to Disney Plus. It's still in production. Really, it's still Holy got shit. the original cast, and it was only earlier this year it was reported it is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I'll look forward to that. What about you, Wayne Thompson? There's a few. I mean, I've got to give. That's why I came to you last. You know, yeah. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> few honorable mentions. I mean, for one of them, it's a film I used to watch with my dad, um, Q, with uh, John Wayne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which has a great um, chase sequence in it. But then I, I always go to things like Talladega Nights and stuff like that, which you kind of love. What a film. Um, you know what I mean? Just for the, the sequences in those films. Um, obviously, you've got your Smokey the Bandits. You've got all those kind of stuff. Um, Favourite? I'd be up there with you to a degree with Ronan. Ronan was a brilliant, brilliant chase sequence. Um, mm. See, I like that there's a good chase sequence in Bad Boys 2 as well. Oh, there's a great uh, chase sequence in Bad mm. Boys 2. Yeah. But I'm going to probably edge with uh, probably Fury Road, Mad Max. Mm. Mm. Mainly because they still did the original drive and there was no CGI, nothing like that, um, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's still the guy with the guitar, isn't it? The flames pumping out of it as a soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, plus that movie is literally one long car chase, more or less, yeah. with That's small it. breaks. That's and it. I would argue it doesn't get boring at all. It doesn't. It doesn't. The only mm. thing is it shouldn't have been called Mad Max. It should, oh, it no, no, it should have been called Furiosa. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Plus, I think Tom Hardy, I mean, no, this is a very divisive thing. Like, Wayne Madden really likes Tom Hardy. I don't like Tom Hardy. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people love the guy. I just think he's very samey in everything he does. And he's always got a mush mouth to try and be an actor. Like, I thought his Bane was terrible. But again, half the people love him, half the people hate him. So, 
It's not well, a universal thing. Satan's, there's one drive Satan's I'm surprised you didn't mention. Mm-hmm. That's Mission Impossible Fallout. There is some tremendous sequences of all nature and all the, I love the Mission Impossibles, but I didn't want to get into I thought that again, as good as like some of the sequences can be. I'd rather focus on the overall movies for those. So I'd rather leave those for another day. I was going to talk about those on a Mission Impossible yeah, episode because there's yeah. so many great moments in those. You can't just chalk it down to, well, they had a good car chase. I think that's. I was uh, thinking the, the, the specific uh, bike one in Paris. Mm-hmm. Well, again, though, there's a lot of bike on that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's a few movies that were never mentioned today, like uh, Days of Thunder oh, and stuff rules. like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. No one mentioned so Rush. Many- or anything like that mm. nature, you know. And you know, I'm surprised we've, we've barely touched on Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, and Batman. Which well, because we, again, don't you feel like those yeah, movies? We, we've barely touched on them, which you probably the legendary the cars in yet. themselves. The legendary cars themselves, but they're not films about cars, which As, is very strange. Mm. It's strange how you can love such a car, yet the film's yeah. not about the car. As far as Back to the Future is concerned, wait until we get to the time travel episode, and I will, exactly. I will tell you everything you want to know about Back to the Future. And and really, oh, sorry, we barely touched on the Batmobile, which is one of the most iconic cars in history that has yeah. went through Ooh, several yeah. iterations, the several Tumblr changes, version, yeah. the version of the TV show, the version of the original Tim Burton movies, and we barely touched on that. And I mean, I'm happy about that because I'm not a Batman fan, yeah. but I know Batman fans are sitting here going, what? Yeah, you yeah. missed the most you iconic doing, yeah. car ever. Ah! Well, the other film you could always bring up was Iron Man. He's got a whole fucking yeah, range yeah. of classic cars and, he's, <laughs> and he smashes them all up the bastard and say, no. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I mean, what, what I wanted to mention, which I never really found an opportunity to do, it was the old, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the Family Wood Sports Wagon from National Lampoons. But they actually made that bespoke for that. That was never a real vehicle. They made it specifically to be a complete piss take of the cars that were coming out at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, they just went, it's, we, we needed like a typical like dick family dad car. And they went, right, leave it with us. And that's why it's got like odd bits of wood paneling all over it. And it's like that fucking horrible, sick green. But I'll tell you what that surprised me when I was doing some, I was looking up some stuff for this episode. The 1989 Batmobile, for me, is the ultimate one, the Michael Keaton one. Mm-hmm. Do you know who owns that? Oh, I'd read this somewhere. I'd forgotten that, but I'd, I've read yeah. that somewhere that someone... Yeah. It really surprised me who bought it. He bought it for half a million dollars. And then he spent something like another two hundred thousand dollars making it so he could drive it on the roads. Oh wow! And to me, to me, he's one of them. He's billed as a comedian. I think he's the most unfunny guy in the world. It's, it's and the let me guess. Head. No, no, wait. Let me well, guess. If you think he's unfunny guy in the world, is it John? Um, oh, I forgot his last name. The TV show. Host, well, the, I wouldn't even say shows. he's a. I wouldn't even say he's a comedian. His I entire career for me. Oh, carrot top. No. He's, his entire nah. career. Oh, go on. No, I was going to say because I just know he's got a lot of cars. Oh, no. With, with this guy, his entire, you'll probably get when I say this, his entire career for me is off the back of him holding a really shitty looking, meant to be a dead version of a Osama bin Laden puppet and going, I kill you. That's oh, my reason. God. That's yeah, Jeff, Dunham. Jeff, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham is fantastic. Jeff, Jeff Dunham's uh, great. 
He's Greece. No, what is? Oh no. Sorry, I know comedy subjective. But for me, I watch one of his shows after this, and he's going, "I kill you," and people are like basically pissing themselves on the floor, shitting themselves into oblivion. Well, after, and I'm sitting there going, "What's this?" What, what, what's this I watched I watched one of Jeff Dunham's specials once and I thought he's actually quite a talented guy, but he leans into his catchphrases to appeal to his audience. Yeah. Much the same yeah. way I could say a lot of comedians do. Like a look lot at of someone, comedians do, yeah. yeah. Like um Chubby Brown. It's a great example yeah. of a guy who leans yeah, yeah. into nothing but catchphrases. Yeah. Actually, yeah but he's still talented of- what he does. He's very talented what he does though. It's funny that a lot of comedians are like petrol heads. Like Jimmy Carr is a big petrol head. Jay Leno is is a massive. That's the name I was looking for, Jay Leno. Yeah. There's a lot of comedians who are like really into their cars, actually. Well, did you know? The cars, go on. I was just going to say, did you know on the original Home Improvement TV show, um, Tim Allen actually wanted to rebuild classic motor cars and he built it into the show and they really built the car each season. That he was building a oh, car. Really? That's a real car he built, cool. really on sh- on set. That's so cool. Because he's a massive motorhead himself. That's very cool. Yeah, which I believe each one was given to charity afterward. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check that, but I'm sure I read somewhere probably, that he gave them was, charity probably. right after. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, because he always sells like. each one in the show, but he in reality <laughs> gave him to charity. That's one thing I want to say as well. I don't know if it's just because of the climate in the UK and Europe. Well, not Europe, obviously, not France. I don't know if it's just because of the climate in the UK and Ireland. But one thing I've really appreciated about American culture generally is you will often find, I mean, the last time I was in America was a long time ago, but you will often find people driving cars from the 70s today. And it's quite common for people to have cars 30, 40, 50 years. Like when they build an automobile, traditionally, when they built automobiles in America years ago, they built them to last. Well, that's and, it, yeah, because yeah, in Britain, yeah. we laugh, a lot of Brits laugh at the cars and the shit in America. But exactly, the outlast that was yeah. by far. And well, it's, crazy, it's like, yeah. uh, what, was the, what was the actual term for? I think it was... Um, I think it was General Motors. Their actual slogan was built to last. Yeah. And, you know, there's now this kind of like planned obsolescence when it comes to vehicles. You know, you're expected, oh, you'll get a good, you know, 100,000 miles out of this one, and then it's done. Back in the day, it was like, this should last you until literally the end of the apocalypse. Because they were trying to sell you the car today, not sell you the car next year and the year Mm -hmm. after the year after that. Well, you can probably tell me if I'm right or wrong here. I always got the impression from like the shows I count cars and that, that, there's a bigger kind of a thing in America about passing your car down to your kids. Like, oh yeah, you see the families going on there, and it's like, oh, it was my grandfather's car, my father's car, now it's my car. Yeah. I want to pass it down to my son. And here, I can't think of anybody I've ever known who's ever done that. You yeah. know, you're getting your dad's car because they work. don't last long enough. Yeah, it's they don't last long enough. The older cars would often we were told that we weren't allowed to drive anymore because they were dangerous. Any square car in Britain got. Uh, banned for a while as far as I remember because the, yeah. the apparently will cause more damage if you hit them so fuck they shouldn't be on the road piss off well in fairness though in America you've got these beautiful wide open spaces and in England everything is crammed together like fucking nothing mm. I used to steal cars and drive them when I was 13 in America and I don't drive in England at all because I look at roundabouts and the way that people park literally there's a road 
two lanes wide and people are parking on the sides of each thing. So everyone's got to oh, basically yeah. wave each other to and fro to get to your fucking mm-hmm. house and front door. Yep. This exactly. country, I don't know. I've seen bus drivers and 18 wheelers and everything drive through these streets. And I'm always like, these guys should be getting paid more the than the talent. government. Yeah, Their fucking the talent, talent level. People. The danger driving they do is unreal because the roads here are not equipped for more than a heart cart and fucking buggy. Exactly. Well, what's the, um, I, I don't know the quote exactly, but what's the, the line from Back to the Future where Doc goes to Marty, he's driving a 1956 T-Bird or a Buick or something. He'd mm-hmm. rip through us like we were tinfoil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which yep. just shows exactly. the quality of sort of, you know, cars that were modern, made. Modern cars to older cars, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were made to last. That's exactly it. Like the... You know, Back to the Future has been, what, 36, 37 years since the original Back to the Future. And they're restoring the original DeLoreans from the movies because the frames of the DeLoreans have lasted. The stainless steel has lasted. It has weathered the storm, as it were. But ironically, they were like the most dangerous cars ever on the road if you were in one. Indeed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They got produced for two years and then got banned. You know, they were... They were that there's a, there was a bit of trivia I read that said that they were that flimsy and that um, sort of delicate that they couldn't reuse a lot of them because they couldn't get the dents out. Even with yeah. the bit where at the end of Back to the Future one where it's raining and he's climbing the clock tower to do the thing, he had to keep going out with hair dryers and heaters and heating the car <laughs> up because because the gas struts that hold the gun will, the gullwing doors open weren't insulated properly and the, as they were doing it the doors just kept slowly dropping in the background of the scene so they had to keep going out in between takes and hair drying these gas struts and the doors just to heat them up to get them to stay open wow now let me say i think we need to end this around here and, and well i was just going to say i was just briefly going to say before we end it a couple of really big throughouts is down on the ways brilliant car mm-hmm. um you've got um the monsters, come on, classics. Oh, yeah. But the one I am amazed out of the whole show, nobody's mentioned. If you're going to say the Beverly Hillbillies, nope. Okay. The Shaggin Wagon. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? I waited for Chris to bring it up, but I didn't want to be uh, the, the one to bring dumb it up. Dumb and fucking no, no, no. dumb, guys. Dumb that amazing. Must cuts back. But it's not even a special. Amazing. It's just literally a van. But the design it's just on it is amazing. It's but iconic. It's ironically, yeah, before we leave, there's one quick thing I want to mention, which is I know that Wayne Madden is a fan of one of the worst movies ever made in the history of movies. Oh! And it is iconically built around two muscle cars, and he never mentioned it once. Oh, uh, yeah. Quentin Tarantino's oh. Death Proof. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was nearly my chase sequence, you know. Really? At the, end, right. the end of that, that was very nearly going to be my my sort of car taste. Makes no sense. See, I just fucking hate that movie, but I know that Wayne likes it. A lot of people like it. What What do you like so much about that car, man? Or the movie? Um, me or or him? You, or? you're the one who said that you uh, like. You told me on at least twelve I just, occasions. I just, I love, like the, I love the character that Kurt Russell plays in that movie. I just, I love how it's like, I'm not so much a fan of where it goes after the first half of the film, but I love that dialogue between the girls as they're driving in the car. I love that whole exchange in the bars. 
I I just love the whole setup of that movie. I think I'm just a, it's like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again. It's not a great film overall, but I love the dialogue and scenes and the exchanges between characters. I love the fact that in terms of writing, Tarantino doesn't hold anything back. So it's less so that you like the car in Death Proof or the kills. It's more that you just like Kurt Russell's character and the um, the delivery. What was the line you keep quoting to me? You know, which way do you want to go, left oh, or right? She's like, left. When he gets to the car, yeah, he says to her, you know, he says, which way do you want to go? He says, do you want to go left or right? And she says, I want to go right. And he says, ah, oh, that's a shame, darling, because we're both going. And he does it like John Wayne. And he's like, that's a shame, darling, because we're both going left. And, you know, you could have said right and we could have drove for about 20 minutes and, you know, you might not have gotten scared or anything like that. But as it happens, you're going to have to get scared right about now. And then he just floors the throttle and. It's just the delivery of it and everything <laughs> like it's so well. I, I love it. I love how it's done. I will I will watch that movie always. I don't so much like the whole ship mass thing at the end or it's just the build up more than anything else. And until it gets to that point, it's just, you know, the exchanges and the dialogue and all that. So, yeah, I have I have I have nothing bad to say about that. Cool. Well, here's a piece of <laughs> trivia that came out recently, very recently. Do you know why and how Tarantino ended up making the movie Death Proof? I'd, I'd heard that it was like they'd had some bet or something with Rodriguez. And nope. No. Okay. What happened was um, him and Rodriguez were going to do a couple of Grindhouse movies, but he didn't have an idea for one. And he, ever since he'd done Reservoir Dogs, he drove the same car, which was some shitty little pos like kia or something and he says i need to get a new car because i've got money now but i don't know what kind of car to get and i don't really like any cars i see and he was talking to sean penn and sean penn said you don't want a new car what you want to do is you want to get some really old cool looking car that's a junker and then get the stunt teams from a movie to death prove it for you and he heard the term death proof and went "Ooh, that's a movie and that was literally the entire inspiration for the plot wow there you go. He just recently told this on Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh. I bet Sean Penn is like, could I not have played the lead role in that film? What did you have to Can give I it to Kurt so Russell? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could I could I not have could I not have made something from that? But yeah. It's just well, I, I think it yeah, yeah. Go yeah. on, go on. I w- all I was going to say was, I think, again, it's one of those things, isn't it, that you think of Kurt Russell and immediately you think of like Jack Burton and mm. it almost doesn't matter what he does. He's still Jack Burton. And so he kind of he shouldn't, but he gets a free pass from me. And I'm sort of like, I can't possibly dislike anything Kurt Russell does. Although I did see that film that he did with his wife going overboard, and that was appalling. But I mean, you know, generally speaking, anything I see Kurt Russell in, I'm like, it's Kurt Russell. I'm not going to not like Kurt Russell. And he just, he has that way about him that you could see him being an old stunt guy from old movies because of course he was an old child actor who did films with Elvis and John Wayne. That's mm. how he started out. Well, this is why it makes such a good Santa. There's kind of a homeliness about him. He's yeah. iconically mm-hmm. referential to most of your life. Probably at some stage you've, yes. you've never not seen Kurt Russell during your lifetime. 
and it'll be a damn shame when he dies on that note (laughs) (laughs) on a high note everybody as always um i know we missed a lot of what there'll no doubt be people going i can't believe you didn't mention this you didn't mention that blah 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 but you know everything is subjective and we all like different things and you know we're doing the best in the meantime i just want to thank everyone for being here to talk with me today and uh, i want to thank wayne and also secondary wayne i also want to thank chris i loved having you guys here and chatting with me and audience you know you can always get involved and have a chat with us you can get in touch with us at movie madness at deadrealfilms.com you can also reach us on our website at deadrealfilms.com forward slash movie madness and you can also reach us on facebook and instagram and twitter and all that sort of fun stuff um in the meantime you guys got anything to say before we go no just that it's been a pleasure oh i'm going to see roger taylor from queen in a couple of weeks play in newcastle and that's relevant to cars because the song that he wrote for queen was called i'm in love with my car and he normally does it live as yeah. part of his solo stuff so that that's a cool song that's related to cars so you know you sure it's not more Gary pertinent to the episode because you wanted to brag <laughs> no no because i well, I mean, if I really wanted to brag, I met Gary Newman a few years ago when he did a song That's called Cars, right. and he was a lovely bloke, you know? <laughs> and what a lot of people don't know is that song is actually about Wayne Madden. It you is, it yeah. In here in my, I feel safest of all. You know, that's that's just about me. When people are with me, they feel safe. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said that. But there you go. Because you are so cuddly, man. You're like a giant, mm-hmm. cuddly, lots of, lots of hugging bear, you know? Except not evil. Strawberries. Except not evil. <laughs> he wasn't born evil. He was changed. It was it was nature versus nurture. <laughs> Anything for you, Wayne? Anything for you, Chris? Yeah, I want to just a little little quick story that I think would be remiss if we didn't mention it. It's probably one of the most famous cars in Hollywood. Never was in a movie. Never was in a TV show. But it's one of the most famous Hollywood car stories ever. James Dean, little bastard. Of course, yes. Yeah, for those who don't know, 1955, he buys a Porsche 550 Spider. Um, idea is he's going to go track racing, like we said before about you know like um, mine's gone blank. What do you call it? Steve McQueen was a was yes. a racer, and it was going to get shipped down to this this track race, and he was going to, and he said, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to drive it. I'm going to drive it. So I'm going to break the engine and get a feel for the car and. I think it was Alec Guinness famously famously saw him with it and went, "This thing's evil. It's just yes, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you get in that car by this time next week, you'll be dead." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he was, was right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> driving it down with I think it was he's uh, one of the the, the the team that was with him and this kid had pulled out and he'd just gone straight in the back of it and this thing had just it was like a DeLorean. It just crumbled, yeah. killed him instantly. But then it's the curse of this car that keeps coming back and. You know, it got sold off for scrap and parts and this guy bought it and it was a couple, I can't remember, bits of the suspension went to one race team and there was the engine went to another race team and again, both guys crashed on the course driving parts in this car. The one yeah. guy that died from it hit the, on the first lap, hit the only tree on the entire race course and was killed instantly. And then this thing just... The tree. Well, well, this is the thing, but it just went on from there. Like it got sold on again. Another guy got, and since the sixties, this thing's been missing. Nobody knows where it is, but it killed somebody. There was a, you know, it got put on display. Somebody bought it to put on display to show like the dangers of, of fast driving, and it kept falling off the stand and actually injuring people who were there to see it. 
no, it actually no no it, that's that's an urban legend we all know yeah. what happened to it ah. is this the remains of that car are residing safely in the back of the pork chop express wayne you got anything <laughs> to say before we go <laughs> yeah i think i need a delorean because i'm now going to be late for work because this is really gone over the, the fucking time uh, schedule we had um, and we're going to leave it there i want to thank you guys for being here thank you very much and audience you keep watching those great movies and driving those fast cars and we'll catch you guys next time bye everybody Good take care, care. Bye. Bye. Bye.